Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight are Liam and Sean. How are you, Liam? Hi, uh, good, thanks, mate. I uh, got my got my first uh, 5G shot, or whatever you call it, at the weekend, and uh, <laughs> just, about uh, feeling, just about feeling human again, so uh, aye. The nanobots are taking over, perfect. Aye. <laughs> How are you, Sean? Yeah, good. If you hear any high-pitched squealing at any time during the podcast, it's my my wife pretending to be interested in athletics. <laughs> uh, the Olympics, got to love it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'd rather that, you know, the Olympics, you know, countries actually winning medals and stuff than have to talk about this very first topic for the podcast. But, hey, it's a Celtic podcast. We've got to get into it. So we'll start off straight away. Celtic one, Hearts two. Sean, what was your take on the team performance? Yeah, I got up at three a.m. to watch this one. Uh, Jared, I heard you. I remember you mentioned you said you fell asleep. Yeah, it was brilliant. Light, lightweight. You only you only had to get up at five a.m. Um, but yeah, three a.m. I actually went back to sleep before going to work. Um, sorry, no, it was Saturday. It wasn't a work day. But I had football. Uh, yeah, I was a bit worried going into it because Hearts haven't conceded a goal since the 27th of March before that game. Uh, they'd had 11 clean sheets in a row, so it was a bit of a worry, especially the first 10, 15 minutes when it was absolutely frantic and Hearts were dominating. Um, I mean, both sides were guilty of some rusty, slack passing, uh, but I was very worried by that first 15 minutes. Uh, it looked like we were not going to get a chance to play football in any way. Uh, but then 
Hearts did what Robbie Nielsen teams do when they're ahead and they kind of sat back and let us play. So we had a, a good spell there uh, in the middle. And then by about 65 minutes, we kind of dropped off. Uh, and I think that speaks to the fitness issues that uh, everyone's aware of. Um, in terms of the kind of shape of our team, we Hearts had a lot of offsides, uh, a lot more than I've really registered a Celtic team forcing from other teams before. I don't know, did you pick up on that at all? Was that just, uh, is it just me imagining that? No, that's a get used to it. You've got Ange managing a play with a high line defensively. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things you'll either concede the world he goals from middle of nowhere or you'll get him, get him caught offside. Mm-hmm. Did you watch it, Liam? Um, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I actually ended up watching it at about about nine o'clock Sunday morning my time because I was at a I was at a friend's going away party on Saturday night and I didn't get back till quite late. But um, yeah, so I I watched the game not knowing the score obviously and uh, well I was uh, not 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 best pleased with how it finished. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, no, I think. Uh, I stand by what I said last week that I think we're going to have a lot of 3-2 and 4-3 kind of games this season because we're going to score goals, we're going to lose goals. That's that's the way it looks. And that game seemed to pretty much pay off on that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some goal from uh, Anthony Ralston, though. Didn't see that one coming. Um, current player of the year, probably. Early call. Uh, yeah, but there was some other players that were a bit. Um, I thought Turnbull and Abada were pretty ineffective. Um, Turnbull was just giving up possession pretty readily. Abada kept cutting in on his left foot. Wasn't really, didn't seem to know what to do when he was on his left foot. Um, even though he does look like a bit of a unit for a 19 year old, I still have faith that he will come good, but he seems to be more of a. Uh, cross it early with his right and doesn't know what to do with it when he comes on his left kind of player Starfelt, man heavily right footed player at left centre back nearly cost us a goal with a back pass um, I don't know what is going on you, there used to be a time when we could not find a right footed centre back and now we can't find a left footed one and we're having to like last year it was Ayer and we're just having to put these right footed players at left centre back and when you're passing across the back that kind of creates problems at times um obviously the offside goal we scored was onside so we should have been two one up at that point and uh this uh andy holiday and tackle on calmac was absolutely appalling and when i kind of saw it at full speed i didn't think it was that bad and then when i saw the replay the first time i was like oh that's pretty bad referee must not have seen that since he's not punished the player and then it shows you another replay and the referee is looking straight at it full view, no obstruction, about 15, 10 yards away and doesn't even give a yellow card in what could have been a red card. It was a shocking, not in, not even in the direction of the ball, trying to snap Callum McGregor's Achilles. On that one, yeah, I'll, I'll say, you got to credit, I think it was Berra, where he came out after the game and said, yeah, that was the red card. We should have been down to 10 players. So at least one of their guys is coming out and saying that. But yeah, it was... Um, Shock and tackle. And if, like, say if we had Bruni out there, if you had a Lustig in the team, you had an Iyer in the team, those sort of guys, those guys would have swarmed the referee and oh, made him make. Bruni? And, what's that? 
what would Bruni have done? Ah, as a Scott, like if Scott Brown had been playing yesterday, what would he have done to Andy Halliday? Oh yeah. So either they'd, sur- they'd surround the ref and things would get done. And if the ref isn't going to make a call, then okay. Andy Halliday back five minutes and someone would have gone through him. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a disgrace of a footballer and he's not much better as a pundit. So yeah. Andy Halliday's a hack, and that doesn't surprise me that he actually did that either. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, the problems in terms of creating chances when you're playing against teams that are doing that kind of low block, hard tackling things is you kind of need someone physical up front and we don't have that with Edward. Like he's not going to go body to body with someone, which is what you kind of need. What do you reckon, Liam? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with pretty much everything you guys said. Their heart's kind of as as cynical and as uh, as much of an insult to football as it is they came with a plan to destroy us physically and it and you know they know that they're going to get away with things when they play us because that's what happens in scotland and the holiday tackle was just the one example that i felt throughout the whole game hearts were having little digs at us every chance they could get because we didn't have a bruni or an ayer who's going to stand up and not take any of their pish um, but as we'll come to later on, I think we made a signing yesterday who's going to hopefully bring some of that steel that we need. Absolutely. We'll discuss that later. But, yeah, it's, um, we need we need a couple of hard bastards. I've been saying it for 18 months now. We need we need a couple of guys who are just unafraid to leave the boot in. Get us a Bobo. Get us another Bruni's type. Like, where's Kuasi when you need him? He would have left, left some studs in. <laughs> <laughs> or and what you were saying, Sean, about needing a different sort of striker. Like we would need. It's going to sound weird, but we need a Carlton Cole type or a Musa Dembele type up there. The way Andrew's teams play, and yeah, Eddie doesn't fit that bill. So him having a strop and not really being keen on, you know, not looking like the Edward that we all know and love. He needs to be sold ASAP so we can bring some guys in. Yeah, there was um sorry, what was the other thing? Uh, yeah, the gamesmanship, man, hearts, it's like it's well coached into them. Do you know what I mean? Like they're well drilled on it. I, I don't know if you I've I've known this has been one of my bugbears since pff, whenever Craig Gordon started playing like 2008 or whatever, when I used to go to the games and it takes them like 45 seconds to take a goal kick. Like he literally eats about 10 minutes off of a game taking goal kicks against Celtic. And and he did it back in his first spell at Hearts, and he's doing it again now. And he didn't do it when it was a Celtic, so it comes from the coach, and it drives him mental. And even the Hearts were like time wasting from the start. At one point, like an hour into the game, uh, they won a free kick, and they whoever it was the defender kicked the ball away for his own free kick that Hearts had won. That's like, what the you know what I mean? Like that's what you're kind of up against is this time wasting and gamesmanship, and it's. I, I mean, I know they've kind of, I mean, that also the goal that they scored the free kick from wasn't a free kick either, I don't think. Yep. And yeah. um, we yeah. also should have defended it. So, you know, yeah. not giving should've... the defenders a pass on that. I don't want to make excuses for it because the defense was terrible. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, like what you're saying about the gamesmanship, it's something we've got to get used to because the way we want to play and the amount of possession and all that sort of stuff. We've got to get used to people, teams setting up a block, 
working our way in. And, you know, anytime a, a free kick's called, a ball get kicked away. Anytime we're on a bit of a break, there'll be the early foul, like we saw against Michelin. We bump them, they'd go rolling, but then they were doing those cynical early fouls to stop us getting them on the counter. We're going to have to get used to that because the speed we want to play at, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And the, the referees aren't going to help us, not in Scotland anyway, so I don't know. Yep. Do we Welcome need to change? To to say. Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, like, do we need to do it O'Neill and Strachan did and just accept that this is what Scottish football is and we can't play football? I don't know. It's a thing that, that, that um, you know, again, going back to something I said in the run-up to the start of the season, that it's going to take time for Ange to put his team together. And it is frustrating because I'm confident in a few weeks we're going to have a team that will steamroll their teams like hearts, regardless of how negative they want to play against us. Um, yeah. But at the moment, we're just going to have to grit our teeth and try and get through this. Um, I think the reality is that we're going to get to a point when we play Rangers you know, in a few weeks. Hopefully by then we've got our shit together and we can actually go out and beat them. But at the moment... You know, we're not we're not there yet. And I think everybody just needs to stay calm. And, you know, I think of the Vim Janssen season when we lost our first two games and still ended up winning the league. You know, I could very much see that happening again this year. It's funny you say that because I'm hearing that on a lot of um, a couple of other pods and then there was, it was all over Twitter and that sort of stuff. Oh, I remember Wim's season. This is what happened then. And it's like, I get it. I understand it. And just got the pedigree to do it. And I'm hoping like how it happens. But at the same time, I don't even want to lose our first two. I want to win this weekend. Mm-hmm. Celtic needs to win. We've got to start getting some decent performances. And at the end of the day, like, yes, this is a project. This is a rebuild. It's like we've we've hit the buzzer. Now the, the, crack, the crack at 10's over. Okay, so it's a hard reset. But at the same time, they were the Celtic Football Club. We had the biggest budget in the league. We're the biggest club in the league. We should be better than what we are. But it's poor management from the board that's allowed us to get to this point. And it's going to take a bit of work to get there. So we've got to show patience. But at the same time, we don't do patience very well as a club in the support. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over the next month. I'm also going to, on the point of Bobby Madden, I'm going to say that uh, it's a long kind of standing going back complaint issue that I've had is that when you allow these lower class shitty players to do what they do to the the you know the more proficient players in the name of like having a more even game and letting the little team have a, a go and a fair crack at it and stuff like that, you're negatively, you're making a choice to penalise skill players and you're having a negative impact on the quality that we can produce in this league. And and I'm I'm just going to say it, like the the standard of refereeing and the refereeing, not even standard, but the actual, the choices that referees consciously make uh, is, has a negative impact on the quality of Scottish football. Like you, you watch these games and what players do in these tackles and it wouldn't happen in England and, and they made a choice about twenty years. You no, know, about twenty years ago, you would see that sort of thing. Like you did see those sort of tackles in England twenty years ago, and you don't now. 
and referees don't allow it. And you see the quality has gone up as a, as a result of that. Yeah, well, what you're saying there makes sense because I was going to say about England as well, well, those ones where you look at it and down in England, they've got to declare their support, who their allegiance, who they go for. And if you are a Man United fan, you can't referee a Liverpool game, you can't referee a Man City game, and you can't referee a Man United game. Simple. That means they'll be impartial. So if they're doing an Arsenal versus Spurs game, they're not going to really care too much on that. So they've got their declared their declared allegiances. Because it's all controlled by, what I think it's, what is it the Lanarkshire Referees Association or whatever it is, because it's all controlled by them, they're huns. Like, it's pretty simple. So it's hard to do that. But at the same time, it's um, it's a strange one because and people want to talk up Scottish football. You look at they made the Euros. There's some good players coming through, but if the referees aren't going to raise their standards at the same rate as the players are raising theirs and developing, then maybe that and plastic pitches are the two biggest issues, in my opinion, on Scottish football back. Mm. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying about the pitches, the bias and the incompetence, but I guess I'm kind of adding a, a fourth one on there, which is that an, an actual conscious uh, standard, like a conscious mindset among referees that this is what we have in Scotland, that that tackle is not worth a yellow card, that one, you know, like a tackle in Scotland that's worth a yellow card is a red card in the EPL. Do you know what I mean? Well, that Andy Halliday attack was a red card in the EPL. That, and that's what I'm saying. And the EPL developed a, a culture where they protect the skilled players and it, and it improves the, the proficiency and the quality of the football. And, and that's just one quarter of what, as you say, is a, a big issue. Even in the Russian Super League or whatever it is, which you'd think would be pretty rough, that's a red card. Yeah. yeah. In the Ukraine, that'd be a red card. In Poland, that'd be a red card. Down in the Balkans, that'd be a red card. Like... They're pretty much your tough bastard leads leagues, and that'd be a red card every day of the week. Do you know it's funny you say that because, like, during the, the the start of the whole COVID thing last year, the only league that was still going was the Belarusian league. So I actually got into watching Belarusian football for about six weeks, right? And I don't actually remember a guy getting a red card for a very very similar challenge to the Andy Halliday one. Um, and the other thing about that was that the referees, you, you notice the way that the referees communicated. And I'm sure it's the same in most other European leagues as well. They'll say to a guy, okay, it's a foul. This is why it was a foul and they get on with the game. Whereas in Scotland, it's like, right, you, come here. And they act like school teachers. And come to the principal's office. Most yeah. of them are school teachers. I, and like, you know, the, the reaction from a lot of players is like, who do you think you're talking to? You know, and there's there's no there's no respect there because the the, the, the refs don't act in a way that, that encourages respect. I mean, for I God's sake, I'm, I'm a teacher and I wouldn't speak to my students that way. You know, it's like... <laughs> i got a funny one for you, Liam. It's a bit of a story, but I went to the US... Yeah, I think it was like 2004 or 2006 or something like that, right? And it wasn't too long. It was only a couple of years after September 11. And I've never seen anyone get spoken to like I was spoken to and the people I was traveling with were spoken to 
by the security guards at the airport, take off your shoes, and they're full screaming at you, right? Because you're going through security things. 14 hours on a plane, no sleep, didn't know that that's what you had to do. Fine. But the way the referees talk to the players, it reminds me of those power-hungry people who have never had anything, and then suddenly it's like, ooh, we're the TSA agents. We're going to make people take off their shoes and scream at them if they don't listen to us. It seems like get in the naughty corner, I'm going to whack you with a stick. That's what it kind of seems like to me. It's it's just out of control. Mm. It, oh, yeah. Also, yeah. on the on the subject of Andy Halliday specifically, the, uh, the absolute rat arsehole that he is, um, he, I don't know if you noticed, like when he committed that foul, he was like complaining about the fact that a foul had been given. And then on his... Uh, his podcast that he does I've not listened to it but I've seen a, a, after what happened on Sunday I literally, un, I used to subscribe to it and I literally unsubscribed um, but I read a transcript of what he said and he came out and said, oh it wasn't a red card but it was definitely a yellow like, well on the pitch you were complaining that a foul was given and saying it wasn't a foul are you a schizophrenic or something? Like, what is, what, what is going on here? Uh, telling the company line otherwise he knows his manager's going to pull him up for it that's probably what it is He's, he's, he's forgotten he doesn't play for Rangers anymore because at Rangers that wouldn't have been a yellow. Please would die at Sevco. Aye. Aye. All right, so what we'll do is we'll um we'll move along to a couple of next things. So we've got on the list there the Colts had a five one win over the University of Sterling. Good to see that from the B team. Happy with that. Just wanna yeah. any comments, boys, or you just want to brush over that one? No, I just thought we'd be good to highlight it, a bit of positivity and maybe something, a thread we can kind of keep going this season where we kind of just mention any players that have stood out. Um, one that stood out for me that I just wanted to bring up because I hadn't heard the name before uh, was Adam Brooks, uh, 17, who came off the bench to score the first two goals. Uh, did you see the goals? Yeah, oh, Brooksy. No, nah, I didn't see him. But... <laughs> but no, it was really, they were really good goals. It was kind of like... Um, I don't know, they were, it's difficult to explain, it looked like he just had a real kind of natural uh, striker's instinct about the, you know, the finishes that he, he scored, and he, he came on to replace the captain Otto as well. Uh, just from the highlights, Lawell, the one we signed from Watford, he looked good, strong, uh, big striding player in the, midf- the midfield, and Moffat scored one from about 40 yards, so he looked pretty impressive as well. Uh, and just to mention that uh, Rocco Vata, the son of Rudy Vata, he also got in an act. Oh, the father-son rule, that's what we like. Yeah. <laughs> father-son rule, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now what we want to do is I'll touch on during the season like that for the for the Colts and then also for the women's team, just yep. have a quick little <laughs> talk about them if things are going well or whatever. So, yeah, it's uh, good to see that out. One team, one of our teams had a win anywhere on the weekend. Yeah, and also I think the women's team are doing a better job of signing players than we are, judging from what I've seen in social media. Great transition right there. Love it. Good segue. So the next topic there was, do we think Ange is being set up for a fall with the severe lack of signings? And you just said that the women are getting their signings in. And yes, so who, in my opinion, whoever's doing their signings, get involved. Get the the... You know, the first team blokes once. Get them over the line. Help it out. We had two signings yesterday, which we can touch on, but I just want to – we'll go through the transfer rumours and then we'll come back to what we just said there. So, and Cham's left. Afalabi's out on loan to Air. Joe Hart 
James McCarthy have both come in yesterday, which was good signings. We'll talk, we'll talk about that in more detail. Then we've still got rumoured link to Aurelio Buta, or Buta, however you say it. Josh Doig, it looks like he's on the move. Jack Ross come out during the week and said that he doesn't expect him to be around much longer at, at Hibs. So is he coming our way or going to England? Who knows? Kevin Nisbet was still being linked with. There was one with Cameron Carter-Vickers coming up to, to Celtic from Tottenham as well for about £5 million. Ko Itakura from Man City, either get him on loan or with a with a fee in there. During the week, Christian Lovrich come out and, and distanced himself from the move to Celtic. And then we've got the left-footed centre-back that, we that you were talking about. We struggled to find one from Shamrock Rovers, Liam Scales. I think that sums up the majority of them, of the rumours. So with the ones that, the people that have come in, people going out, do you think that Ange is being set up for a fall with the with the lack of signings so far, Sean? I mean, it depends how you kind of frame that. I mean, it, it definitely is. Uh, but I guess the question is, has he deliberately been set up? And, and I would say no, I don't think that's the case. But is he being, you know, putatively, implicitly, tacitly set up, then then yeah, definitely. He's been set up by, and, and I don't think it's, like I said, I don't think it's deliberate. I think it's just incompetence. Uh, I, I mean, there's something going on there that we can't see. Uh, is Dominic and Kai trying to do the job of five people? I don't know. Neil Lennon came out uh, last week and confirmed, like literally straight up said, confirmed, without even like a shade on it, that Peter Lawwell was the director of football. Like he literally said, "Yeah, we had Peter Lawwell doing the job of director of football," and then it and then just kept talking as if that was like a normal thing, as if nobody should really think about it. Uh, and so, obviously, Don McKay has been delegated that job, and he's just came in from rugby. So, what the hell does he know uh, about doing that? And if, if stories are true that Dermot Desmond's having to step in and help him do that, what the hell does Dermot Desmond know? Like, he fucking lives in Gibraltar. What does he know, man? He was at the fucking races the other day. If he's helping out, he's in a pretty shit job at it. So, yeah, Ange has been set up to fail. Uh, he came out and said publicly that he wants... Uh, he's fine with the coaches he's got, but he wants to bring in conditioning and fitness staff and sports science. I'm not seeing anyone appear. There's got to be some people out there that are ready to come in. What, what's going on? What's the holdup? Why are we not getting it? I don't expect the players to be fit overnight, but why are we not hiring the staff overnight? I don't know. That, that's that's my thought. Yeah, I think um, the uh, the whole situation here. There's a an old saying: never never put down to malice what you can put down to incompetence. Is that they are they've not learned anything from last season. We are every bit. We're even more unprepared for the start of the season and the European campaign this year than we were last year. And that's largely due to the fact that we didn't hire a manager until far, far too late in the game. I mean, you know, Ange left Yokohama mid-season. There's no reason, if, 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 if the Celtic board were genuine about the fact that he was the man they wanted, they could easily have got him in February. You know, before the before the Japanese season had even started, but they didn't. They spent they wasted four months with their nose up Eddie Howe's backside, and it got us nowhere. Um, 
And, you know, it became a case of, the, you know, us needing a manager more than a manager needed us. And Celtic should never, ever be in that position. Um, and now that Ange is in, he has to be backed up properly. The good thing, the good thing to come out of all this is that if the board have hired Ange from the point of view of, of him being a fall guy for their ongoing incompetence, that's not going to work. The fans have seen right through that right away. Every blog you go on to, every comment section you go into regarding Celtic, every YouTuber you see talking about Celtic, it's always the board need to get their act together. Everybody realises that Ange has been dealt a dud hand here and no one's blaming him for this. And we can see that he's trying to play a style of football that's going to be really good to watch once he gets the team that he wants. And it's up to the board to make sure that he gets the team that he wants as soon as possible. And yeah, and talking about get getting the team he wants, well, the biggest position that we needed players in at before we even started the season was what? Right back, centre back, goalkeeper, in my opinion. Because I didn't really rate the other guys that were there. I thought we can give Barkas another chance, but I'm not a fan of Bain. I've been on record as that. You can go back through the last hundred episodes and you'll hear me saying that over and over and over. So it's one of those things where we've got a goalkeeper in now. Great. Joe Hart's in the door. Perfect. Good. We needed, we got some experience in the midfield with James McCarthy coming in. Good. That'll help out Calmax, who doesn't have to play so many minutes. And it'll give us someone there to rotate with sorrow. So, you know, when he gets his his token red cards and or gets suspended for 47, you know, yellows for the season because, you know, the refs don't like him, then we've got options there. So that's good. Happy with that. But the glaring weakness is that our best player last week against Michelin and then again on the weekend, in my opinion, has been someone that, geez, like three months ago, we we were all joking around saying, oh, no, we're going to go into qualifiers and Ralston's going to be our starting right back. Yet he's been our best player so far this season. Like, that is a massive, massive issue. And if the board can't see it and the club can't see that scenario and that's a key priority to fix up, then what are they doing? Like, there's an old saying around sports and that from I heard from my coaches back in the day, the five Ps. Poor pre- preparation. A prior preparation prevents poor performance. Well, Say that again, quickly. <laughs> good one. I got a tongue tied on that anyway. <laughs> prior preparation prevents poor performance. Well, there's no prior preparation going on here, and that's why we're having poor performances. So, that's on the board, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for for our listeners in Scotland, it's also known as you know. Proper prep prevents playing pish, but, but you know, just so you know. <laughs> there you go. That's how it was explained to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if this Liam Scales character is left-footed. I'm trying to find out yes, now. I told you that. I said that before. He's left-footed. He yeah. Left back. He played um, majority of his games last season as a left centre back. Played some left back. Plays a left back. I'm also wondering if his dad is John Scales. Is that implied or is that? I would not have a clue. But what my concern is, is people talking him up as, oh, this hot Irish prospect, Liam Scales, 22 from Shamrock Rovers. 
Yeah, okay. But Chris I was 23 and we just sold him. So as he a hot prospect at 22 years old? We had a hot prospect at 21 years old or whatever that came in. What's he called? Jack Hendry. How'd that work out? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's the same, but I hope it's opposite. I hope he's a gun player for us and I'll look like a dickhead for saying that. But yeah, I don't know. I'd rather us bring in Itakura to play left centre back. Well, Shamrock have confirmed that there's interest from English Premier League and Scotland. So I'm guessing they're not it's not Rangers that are interested in the, the Irish centre back. Um but they've also not said who the English Premier League teams are, so that's an interesting one. Watford. Is it Watford? Yeah, they're in for everyone around our price range at the moment. Well, we just stole one of their Irish players. Is this just this is another thing, isn't it? Like, are we just trading in these young Irish lads using our name? I don't know. Well, we haven't done anything with the other young Irish lads we got. Like, you've got Harvey's out on loan again. Barry Coffey's out on loan. You've got Luke O'Connell sitting there doing nothing. Barely played. Went out on loan for a couple of months, like end of last season. Leo Connor's been on loan since we signed him. Like, are these guys going to be given a chance to break into the squad or we just got them because, well, we could? I feel like we're maybe just exploiting this kind of cultural link. Like, I've got friends in Ireland and like they were telling me that like when they played in some football tournament when they were 15 and they, they lost the final and the, the, the prize if you won the final was... um. You, you got the whole team got to go to a game at Celtic Park and they, they they weren't even gutted about losing the game. They were gutted that they weren't getting to go to Celtic Park. And it's just such a, a part of the culture uh, over there that just, cool, you're Irish, you, you support Celtic. That's that's what it is. You, there's no question. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's what's yeah. your Irish team? Oh, Shamrock Rovers and Celtic then, kind of thing. Or, yeah, I've got a mate over there. He tells me it's the same thing. It's like you grow up and it's, who's your, it's not who's your Irish team. It's, all right, you're a Celtic fan and... Who's the English team? Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, Celtic and like, United or Celtic Celt- Liverpool. Celtic and United or Celtic Liverpool was my friend. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that that that's pretty much it. I know one guy at Celtic and Tottenham, but he's kind of weird. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, fair assessment. <laughs> so, Liam, yeah. I want to get your opinion on the signings of Joe Hart and James McCarthy. Right. Um, I seem to be in a minority here based on who I'm talking to, but I am really, really excited about the signing of Joe Hart. I think a few years ago, he was in the top 10 goalkeepers in the world. The guy is a superb goalkeeper. And I can't really... It's one of them, you can't really think of, like, when was the major, like... When, like For example, there's the famous, I think it was the 1990 FA Cup final where Jim Layton sold the jersey for Man United and that was the start of his decline, right, as an example. But where where did it go wrong for Joe Hart? And I looked at it and I watched a couple of things on YouTube today about it and he never really had a massive collapse in form. It was just like Guardiola said, uh, no, nah, he's not my type of keeper, so I'm going to get rid of him. And away he went, despite the fact he was still England number one at the time. And it's been a case of since then, he's never gone to a club where he's been the first choice keeper. And I don't really think that's his fault. I think it's just been that he's been paired with very good goalkeepers at other clubs that he's been at. 
And when he has played, he hasn't really made any mistakes. Um, I think we're getting a very, what's currently a very undervalued goalkeeper at that price because 34 is, is no age for a goalkeeper. You could still play for five years quite easily. Um, well, look at Alan McGregor. He's, what, 37 or something like that when last season yeah. at Rangers, and that's what Joe Hart will be at the end of his contract if he sees it out. Aye, aye, that's the thing. Um, he really, he's not old as far as goalkeepers go. I mean, you know, it, I really... I don't see the negatives in this at all. I mean, you don't play 75 times for England if you're a dud, you know. I really don't get all the negativity around it. I think it's a superb piece of business based on where we are, what resources we have and what's currently available. And also, I want to say respect whatever happens with Joe Hart. I respect the fact that he was willing to come to Celtic for 15 grand a week, which is clearly going to be a lot less than he was on at Spurs. That tells me this is a guy that wants to come and play football and win things. And that's the motivation, not money. Which Apparently he was on 50 grand a week at Spurs. So he's taking a 35, 35 grand a week pay cut to come up and play for us. So yeah. like, that's that's shocking to me. But if you went back six years, five, six years, Joe Hart would have been one of the best goalkeepers in the world, as you were saying. And yeah. in the Premier League, James McCarthy would have been Quality. I actually rated him back then, like when he was weekend, and then when he left there before he broke his leg. Like, if you were to get those guys back then and bring them into our squad, they would have been like Joe Hart would have classified as a world class keeper at that point in time, and then McCarthy, yeah, would have still been quality. Like, my opinion, other than the top six, he probably one of the better midfielders in the in the Premier League. So. To have them both here at the age they're at, it's it makes perfect sense to sign them up. I'm happy with it for two reasons. Um, but before I say that, uh, just when you're talking about the wage drop, I'd be willing to bet good money that he and probably James McCarthy too are on a heavy bonus incentive if Celtic qualify for the Champions League. Uh Hmm. which is why in the years where we do play Champions League, our wage bill goes right up and it's, we do chuck out literally millions in bonuses just for getting there. Uh, and that, that's how we attract these players is we incentivize them, you know, here, have £200,000 if we qualify for Champions League or whatever. And if it's someone like Joe Hart, it's probably a million pounds. Uh, that's that's my, my assumption on that one. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, uh, but in terms of why I'm happy he's here, he's uh, two reasons. One, he's better than the two that we've got. And uh, I think, uh, as you say, that's 1 million or 1.5 million, whatever we paid, 15,000 a week. That's good value for someone who's got 78 caps for England. Uh, and in terms of, Liam, what you're talking about, the when did it all go wrong? Um, then a quick Google, and uh, the top video that came up was, uh, Joe Hart's Euro 2016 blunders summarized in four minute, 14 seconds. Mm. So uh, if you search for Joe Hart Euro 2016, you can see kind of where it starts to go wrong for him. Well, like England team would patch that tournament. <laughs> oh, but wait till you see these highlights. You should see All right, them. okay. Highlights or lowlights? Oh, yeah, lowlights, sorry, of course. Well, highlights, highlights for me uh, at the time because it was against uh, England. Um, but yeah. 
Yeah. So I'll need a box of tissues ready when I watch this. Is this what you're telling me? <laughs> oh, spe- special goals. Special goals. So the other thing I've seen written about Joe Hart and people on Twitter are saying that is why is he like, well, he didn't fit Guardiola's style. He's not a ball-playing goalkeeper. How's he going to fit Ange's style? If, that's a, if we're going to bring in someone like that, we should have brought in Fraser Forster. Fraser Forster is six foot seven, six foot eight, something like that. Not very mobile. Not the greatest with the ball at his feet, right? So that one, that was a no go. Joe Hart, he's the sort of guy that the reason Guardiola didn't like him was that he wasn't if you had someone right up on him, he'd he'd put the ball out of bounds. That was pretty much it. He wasn't the greatest in terms of ball playing. But if you just need someone to be in position, know that teams are going to try and hit us on the counter and can make saves in a six-yard box, but then also make the simple pass, ball comes back, receive it, make the next pass, and be an organizer in that back line and be very vocal, that's what we need. We need someone to lead our back line because very young at the moment. Starfeld what, is our oldest at 26 while Julian's out, and then Julian comes back, he's like 28. 29, something like that. So you take those two out, and then who else have we got in the back line? Because I'm not counting Bitton because he's a gump, let's be honest. But if you were to look at the rest, you got Dane Murray's, what, 18, 19? You got Welsh is, what, 20? Something like that, 21 years old. So very young back line. So, and if you bring in scales, what's he, 22? Still young. So. The fact that we're going to have a 34-year-old ex-England international who has played 70-odd international caps, been to World Cups, played in the Champions League, played in the Europa League, won a few Premier Leagues, won an FA Cup, blah, 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 all that stuff, that could only be a good thing as an organiser of our back line because at the moment we don't have that. Yeah, uh, Beton is uh, about to turn 30 and Julian is just turned 28. So he's a couple of years younger. There you go. Perfect. And yeah. even if we brought in, say, Itakura, what's he, 26? I think he's 20. Is he as much 23. as that? 23. He's 23. 23. He's, 23. he's not one of the overage players in the Japan squad, so he, at best he's 23. Oh, fair sure, enough. I thought he was 24. Um, Doesn't matter. Same, same difference. Uh, let me <laughs> check. Around the world. He is 24. Of course, because the Olympics get moved back a year, 24 is the limit. Yeah. Um, He was man of the match for me against Spain last night, incidentally. I don't know if you saw the game, but Itakura was absolutely superb. Him and Yoshida both were brilliant in central defence. Get them all in. Aye. Uh, (laughs) All right. Next topic. FC Michelin. Everyone would have seen it. They played Janino against us last week at their home ground. Technically, he should not have been playing because he was in the middle of a ban- an eight-game ban. So he's an ineligible player, which means according to UEFA's rules, you play an ineligible player, then that's a 3-0 Lost to the team playing the ineligible player, which means we should. That means we would have gone through on a technicality. 
However, Michelin played against PSV last night already, and that's where all this was picked up. So, bit of a complicated situation there. You're seeing some reports where people are saying, oh, well, then Celtic should have to play PSV, but you can't expect PSV when they're already up 3-0 on their next leg to play us and do that and just change it all around. It's unfair on us and on Jablonik. So the other pe- some people are saying that no matter what happens, the winner of our one with Jablonik should just go straight into the Europa League and the other one stays in the Europa League qualifiers next round. What's your take on the whole situation, Sean? And what do you think needs to happen? Yeah, I mean, when I first heard about it, uh, my first like I seen the I seen it in Danish, so I had to like cut and paste the the translation. And and for some reason, the translation had the word suspension coming up as quarantine. I'm okay, whatever. So so I worked that one out, and I was like, because at first I was like, wait, is this COVID related? I couldn't quite figure it out. Uh, but anyway, I like I, I worked it out, and um, yeah. And I was like, oh God, again? Uh, this is like the third time this has happened to us in like oh, the last yeah. 15 FTC years. On. And then who was the other one? Uh, FTC on and uh, Legia Warsaw. Yeah. So a... the Legia Warsaw one was really cut and dry. Like this player is ineligible. You play them in both games. That's two, three nils done. Like it wasn't registered. Simple as that. Uh, now this one I think is a bit more contentious and grey. Kind of like the FCC on one. So the FCC on one was uh, they were signing players when they were appealing a transfer ban. Uh, and so there was five players that were ineligible for that reason. And what happened was again because so there was declared ineligible uh, Celtic were put into the draw but then there was appeals and, and basically it came kind of down to the week before the group stage kicked off uh, and Cass ruled in favour of Celtic and, and I feel like this is the way this one's going to go as well and, and the reason for that is kind of, I mean, well it, I guess it kind of depends on the admin and the backgrounds like uh, when you do an international transfer so uh, when I came to play so when I moved to Australia right, and I went to play soccer again I'm using the word soccer because that's what they call it here uh, on a Sunday, right absolute amateur of amateur is amateur as you can get right and i have to get an international transfer certificate to prove so from whatever country i left i have to get an international transfer certificate from the fa of that country to prove that i'm not carrying any suspensions to allow me to play in australia and i am playing like sunday league amateur football like there's nobody would mistake me for a good footballer right and uh and I need an international transfer certificate. So why is this guy, has he got an international transfer certificate? Did the Brazilian FA fuck up in their international transfer? They, they call it ITC. And I'm wondering if they fucked up and didn't mention it. And if that's the case, then Michelin can't be punished really, can they? And, and if the Brazilian FA didn't fuck up, why was he allowed to play? Why were Michelin not notified that the player was, was suspended? Uh, somebody is stuffed up. It might. Uh, it's, it's either a Brazilian FA, it's either the Danish FA, or it's UEFA. But I don't think it's Michelin, and I think they're going to have a good case to defend themselves in this one. Uh, and I think they will appeal it. And the the worst, I, what I think is going to happen is they'll drop. I mean, they've lost anyway against the PSV, so they're going to be in Europa League with us anyway. I think the only way we benefit from this is if we end up in the conference and then they get proven to have 
whatever broken rules, then we would get put up into their place in the Europa League, which is what happened with Sion. So I think it kind of if we both end up in Europa League, I think nothing happens. Uh, and obviously they're not going through in the Champions League, and I don't think they're going to put anyone's going to punish PSV. But my gut is that, based on my knowledge of football re- football registration, is that this is not Michelin's fault. It is one, two, or three of the FAs involved. There is a chain of responsibility there on Michelin's part to know, okay, if this player is leaving Brazil, they're coming over, it's with UEFA to get FIFA's sign-off on if his suspension carries over or not, they'd know that when they signed him. So they'd know that he's been got an eight-game suspension, he's served two of them, there's six games standing there. So is that to be served when he returns to Brazil eventually or is that to be done in Denmark? They'd know that when they signed him. So I agree with what you're saying there, Sean, in overall, but... There is a there is a bit of a responsibility there. They should know that. It's like if we were to go and sign a player and they're they're suspended, I'm sure we'd we'd know what's going on. It happened to us last year when I think not Duffy, it was some other guy, or the year before. When we got Benkovic, when he came up, he missed the first game for us when we signed him because he had a yellow card amount built up, so he had to, had a suspension on his head. So we did our research. Why can't they? Hmm. Sure. From from what I've heard about it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the the issue here seems to be a lack of communication between FIFA and UEFA. Um, the ban was given to the player. It was like there was a massive brawl at the end of the, at his last game for his Brazilian club, and he got an eight match ban um, for for his part in it. And the Brazilian FA notified FIFA. It was then on FIFA to notify UEFA, but UEFA did not notify them, and uh, sorry, UEFA did not confirm they'd, they'd be notified of this until I think yesterday afternoon. By which point the PSV Michelin game had already taken place. Um, so, or it was just before the the, the game took place. Right, yeah, now, hour before uh, kickoff. Aye, sorry. Um, so really. I think it's on UEFA because Michelin. Now you can argue they should have done their due diligence and said, "Well, you know." But at the end of the day, unless you are told a guy's suspended, you're going to assume he's clear to play. So the onus really is on UEFA there, as far as I'm concerned. Given their very recent track record of stuffing up squad lists, I would. That's where my suspicion lies too, because mm. uh, you know what happened with Abada, where he wasn't, where some. Uh, intrepid reporter in Scotland who was clearly unbiased and didn't have an agenda decided to investigate why Abada played for Celtic when he wasn't on the squad list of UEFA. Uh, and then for this week's tie against J- uh, Jablonek, uh, Starfelt isn't on the list. So I, I don't, I, I don't know if he's, if he's, if that's an oversight or not. Again, who knows? To be honest with you, but yeah, it's um, it's a strange one. But the only reason I'm bringing this up and I'm adamant that, okay, if something's gone wrong here is because if we had a beaten, like let's let's be honest on it, we go through the first round of Champions League qualifiers, we play PSV. No matter what happens in that one, we lose it, whatever. We're guaranteed Europa League football. There's no way we can drop out. Okay, so that's what I'm looking at. Now you look at our next draw. If we would we play 
Yablonek, we win that. We have to play AZ Alkmaar in the next round. So PSV, AZ, AZ's probably slightly weaker than PSV, but at the same time, it's still going to be a challenge to even get into the Europa League if we beat Yablonek. So it's one of them ones for me where that's why I'd be pursuing it because at least that way we'd be guaranteeing ourselves Europa League instead of running the risk of, okay, we get through this one, then we go into play as at Alkmaar and then end up in the Conference League. That's the whole reason. I'd, I'd be pursuing it more than anything. But, yeah, it could be an interesting one. We'll see how it plays out over the next few days, I suppose. But what are you boys expecting or hoping to see in the game Friday morning our time against Yablonek? I, I don't think we'll spank them, but I also think we'll be relatively comfortable across both legs. Uh, his head is a worrying one. That's that's quite a tough draw to get, to be honest. Yep. Worst one I reckon we could have got, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'd agree with Sean. I think probably a... Uh... Probably about three nothing, or three one to us over the course of the two legs. So maybe a one or two nothing over there, and the same again at Celtic Park. I think is how I, how I would call it. But AZ Altmar, it's going to again. It's going to come down to what players do we have in by the time we play them, if we play them, and when, you know, are we going to be ready for it? Yeah. Whenever they start talking about reversing the home and voluntarily. Reversing the home and away fixtures, I'm like, oh, okay, that's the difference in quality. <laughs> like you know, like, like when we draw Linfield and Linfield asked to play their the first leg at home, even though they've got the advantage of being a home in the second leg, you're like, okay, they want to play the first leg at home so they can sell tickets and mm. before and, and you know like put up a fight, you know, oh, get fans in before yeah. the tie's over kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. either way, going going back to the home game six now down. So whenever I see that come up as the news story for a draw, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, we're, comfortable, we're comfortable difference there. Yeah, I'm thinking this week's game will probably be a 2-1 win or a one-all draw. And then when we play them next time, next following week, we'll do them 2-0 and it will be a get them 3-1 three, three, or so overall. That's what I reckon. So, Aye, that'd be about right. I mean, in terms of the Conference League teams to this point, like even Hibs were like, putting out reserve players in their game last week against uh, whoever it was they were playing. I can't remember now. Uh, but like, I was looking at it for uh, the fantasy football to see what players were first team and I was like God, they're putting the kids out against in the second leg of this conference game. Um, yeah, so conference league, I'm not entirely... I think when they get to the group stages, the quality will shake out. Uh, but in terms of the qualifiers, there's some pretty poor teams in there. But I, I get it. That's the point: is to give them more chance, you know. Because if if you're, say, the Welsh champions, then you get to get knocked out of three European competitions in one season. Um, that's the point of it, isn't it? Is that Connors Key or something like that? Is it TNS? Actually, TNS. Yeah, the the new sense usually. I don't know. Maybe it's Connors Key, but it's usually the new sense. One of those two, they're the two only ones I know of. Well, TNS are the green and white hoops, aren't they? Is that right? Would not have a clue, Sean. I'll take okay. you. <laughs> and then we got Sunday's match against Dundee. What are you expecting to see there, guys? It's a home game. 
Um, so I would expect, I expect a win. Um, I don't expect, I don't really expect a clean sheet, even though I don't really think too much of Dundee. Uh, they've got another ex Hun on their books who will probably try and destroy Callum McGregor's Achilles at some point and get away with it. Um, uh, 3-1, 3-1 victory, I think, um, yeah, I think Eddie's going to play again. Uh, I think he'll score, and I think Forrest will have a good game, and Abada will probably have a good game as well. Uh, I wasn't impressed with Furuhashi at the weekend, so I'm just going to put it out there right now. I actually don't have high hopes for him, and I'm sure Liam will disabuse me of it, but... <laughs> Having watched his highlights on YouTube, I don't think his game style that I've seen in the highlights, again, to emphasise highlights, is compatible with Scottish football. And uh, I'm going to just, after 12 minutes of game time, I'm going to put my flag into it and say he won't he won't cut it. I'm going to go the other way and say that I think he's going to score at the weekend. I think he's uh, taking time to find his feet and... Uh, Fight, fight, fight! <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The thing is, I, I, I can see where Sean's coming from because he did, he, he did, he did bugger all in those twelve minutes. There's no, no question about that. But it was twelve minutes. He was a man down. He was a man down for the twelve hmm. minutes. He was, he was worse than he did worse than bugger all. He was a man down. Yeah, but well, I again, think give him a few weeks to find his legs, get settled in, and then, then worry about yeah. it. Like the fact that he came out of quarantine, met the guys in Edinburgh, and then. Hadn't even trained with him and come off the bench. Like I'm not, I'm giving him a free hit for that game. But he's also uh, mid-season. True. You know I mean? like, he's, uh, he's, full, he's full match fitness. But how much of your match fitness are you going to lose with two weeks in hotel quarantine? Well, You'll they sent down coaches to work with him while he was in quarantine. Like they sent people to London to work with him on his fitness and stuff, and his like they literally sent coaches down to work one-on-one with him. Anyway, I'm just saying, like, I, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Mm. Uh, I said the same about Barkas just over a year, uh, just under a year ago, and so far I've been proven right. But I also said the opposite about Albion and Yeti, and so far I've been proven very wrong on that one. So well, I've, I've nailed two out of three, maybe. It <laughs> better not be a dud because I've just ordered a shirt with his name in the back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really hope I'm wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he's the next Nakamura. But uh, he won't. He won't be the next Nakamura. I will tell you that right away. He won't player. because Nakamura was arguably Japan's greatest ever player. And then I hope he's the, then I hope he's the next great number eight for Celtic. I do, but I, I'm I'm not not expecting it. I really I'm really not. Okay. And Liam, what do you think for the score prediction for Dundee United? Uh, Dundee game, not United, just. Dundee. Um, I think it's. I think we might finally click. I think three 0 Celtic. I think we're going to keep a clean sheet because I think Joe Hart will be starting in goals. I think. I think Furuhashi will get amongst the goals. Um, I actually would. I mean, I don't think Ange would do it. I'd like to see him start a team without Eddie, because to me, Eddie is like a man down at the moment. The way yep. he's 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 not applying himself at all. I would rather have. A player who is of lesser quality, but is going to give a hundred percent, than to have Eddie on the pitch right now. No, right. your, cho- your cho- choice then is uh, an uninterested Eddie, a uh, 
Griffiths getting booed by the home fans or Albion and Yeti? Who are you taking? Right, see, you know, the, you, right, I made the point. <laughs> they, they ask me to justify it. Come on, that's not how it works. <laughs> pick oh. pick one or, or two of them. Uh, no, I would, of those, I, I would go with a jetty. Um, but, you know, I know that's not a long-term solution in any way, shape or form. That wasn't perfect. I just think Eddie needs a kick up the arse, to be quite honest. Ties in perfectly and with my with my stupid prediction. I was gonna say we're gonna win seven one. <laughs> we're gonna win seven one. Mm. A Yeti's gonna score five. James will score one. And uh Cal Mack will score another. And then their goal will be a bit and own goal. So there you go. Then and you know, it's gonna be fun. No, but seriously, I, I think it'll probably be a, a two nil or a three nil. But if it's seven one, fuck! Imagine the imagine the odds on that. <laughs> I'm going to have to stick a fiver on it now that you've said it. That's a stupid thing. <laughs> Contemplate it too now. Can't believe I just said that. Anyway, um, we've got a topic. I think you put it there, Sean. Did you? Yeah, but we're pushing an hour, so I don't, Shane, I don't know. What went up. Just yeah, quickly, just... John. Yeah, it, it apparently happened two days ago, and I only just found out about it two hours ago. So I thought people might uh, want to know uh, that the SPFL is in danger of losing its uh, league sponsor, uh, Cinch or Chinch, Kinch. I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, but basically, they're they're a used car dealership based in England, and uh, Sevco on the weekend refused to wear the brand. It's, they're supposed to wear it on their shoulder. It's part of the sponsorship deal, and they're supposed to do a, a cinch man of the match award at the end of the game, and, and this is part of a eight million pounds over five years, so one point six million pounds a year uh, league sponsorship deal. Which I and mean, we didn't even have a sponsor the last two years uh, since Ladbrokes and uh, Sevco have refused because their chairman, one of Douglas Park, John Park, one of them, uh, owns a used car uh, dealership in. Just, just, just being a dick about it, really. Uh, and their kind of comeback to it was that um, they, they highlighted the fact that... Uh, so the SPFL basically came out and said, uh, this is the largest ever sponsorship deal that the, the, the top flight in Scotland's had, which is correct. That's the most money the Scottish top flight has ever had to, sponsorship, to sponsor it. Um, but their com- the, the comeback from Sevco was through their... In-house media was that it oh, it's pathetic because uh, the SPFL paid twelve point five percent commission to outsource the finding of that sponsorship. So that was that was literally their comeback was whatever five hundred thousand of that is commission for the pe- the people that did it. You didn't even do it. We're just going to torch eight million pounds for the rest of the league because fuck you all. Well, does this. Yeah, they didn't pay the paint the you know the face painter, so like they're going to care about that. Yeah, Scotland shame, winning fans, uh, all the way. I hope that um, the other clubs, if this deal does collapse as it's looking like it might, I hope every single club gets together collectively and just send Sevco the bill for it. And say, look, your childish attitude has cost us this money. Give us it. 
and it's time it is time to get tough because we have put up with their pish collectively as a league for far too long. They're lucky they're even in that league. No other eight-year-old club would be allowed anywhere near the level they're at just now. You know, they talk about, oh, we were relegated. No, 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 no. Rules were bent to allow you to even field a team back in 2012. And they seem to forget just how lucky they are to even be where they are now. They should be playing public park football after what they, after the, the stunts that the, the dead co pulled. Um, no, yeah, they shouldn't have been allowed to skip levels. They they should you know they, they they should if they'd done it right they should just be going into the third division this year because they should have had to play their way up from the from the amateurs. Like every other yeah, well every other team in Scotland has to do when they're a new club, and like, this whole myth about them still being the same club has been allowed to permeate because of the the, and the sad thing is. It's going to happen again. I know what's going to happen. There's going to be some sort of compromise and the SPFL are going to kowtow to them yet again. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I'm fucking sick of it. I'm sick and tired of these arseholes who think they run Scottish football. They need to be reminded that they're one club of a top league of 12 and they need to start acting as part of the collective instead of always looking only out for themselves. Ran over They've got to also um, look at one of what forty-four clubs is it, or forty-two professional clubs in Scotland. Like yeah. they don't—they—they're not shot callers, so they've got to, you know, someone's got to snap them back into place. Just, just a really brief history lesson for anyone that doesn't know about it. Uh, Airdrieonians went bankrupt in two thousand and two. Uh, in order to get back into the professional setup, they bought Clyde Bank and tried to change the name to Airdrieonians. The SFA said or SFL, whatever, said, nope, you're not allowed to do that. So they had to call themselves Airdrie United. And then uh, magically in 2013, after uh, Sevco became Rangers, Airdrie United were able to change back to Airdrie Onions again. Strange coincidence after 10, 11 years of being Airdrie United. Hmm. Yeah. You got another You got another topic there as well. No, Sean, I don't, I, no I'm not going to go into it. Uh, oh. if, anyone wants, if anyone wants to Google it, uh, Murdo Fraser, MSP, Conspiracy Theory, uh, look up. <laughs> we'll be doing that. All right, boys. So before we get into our final thoughts for the podcast, just anyone listening, thanks for listening in. Please, if you haven't already done so, subscribe via your podcast app to the site down under podcast. We appreciate that. We had another record month last month with our most of our downloads and listens. So thanks, everyone. We really appreciate that. So, Liam, what's your final thought for the podcast? Hmm. Final thought. Okay. Um, I would say, everybody, calm down. Stay calm. Stay patient. Big Ange said something at the weekend which really resonated with me. Somebody said to him, how does Celtic come back from this catastrophe? They're talking about the Hearts game. And he said, come on, mate. That's no catastrophe. A catastrophe is a loss of human life. And that is very, very true. And I think we all need to keep that perspective, all right? It's a fucking game of football. We lost one game of football. One game of football out of more than 30 that we're going to play over the next seven months. This league is not over yet. And uh, I still think we're going to win it. And it's going to be so glorious when we do because so many people have written us off. 
and I cannot wait. Yes, get up them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully some of the other teams don't lie down to the Huns uh, so much this year. Although Bobby Madden FC will make sure that they, they have a good shot. Uh, yeah, my final thought was I listened to a podcast on the Dalai Lama, so these words are from him. In order to develop positive action, you first need a positive vision. That seems apt that's, that's, in the moment. That's some deep and meaningful shit right there, Sean. <laughs> uh, it seems appropriate for where we're at right now. Yep. And for me, it's really, really simple. I'm not I'm not from another planet, mate. In and we trust. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everyone, thanks for listening in. How hail. Hail hail. Hail hail. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.